Science of the Southland uh, today, Aksha and I will be bringing you this episode. But before we do, uh, I do want to address the most significant news affecting the Atlantic Coast Conference, its member institutions, and most importantly, its students as a collective today. The three of us personally, and from the Rumble Seed as a whole, would like to send our deepest condolences and prayers for the families, students, and Virginians affected by the events in Charlottesville in the past 24 hours. While every detail is yet unknown, what is known is that this is certainly a tragedy that transcends both words and comprehension. Our thoughts are with those affected tonight. Akshay, Jack, and I recognize that this is a space where we often present things or interact with one another with a lighthearted or dry tone, uh, and there really is no way to square the heaviness of tragic news with the usual temperament of this podcast. In lieu of an awkward transition, we're electing to take a moment of contemplation and silence before beginning the episode. You at home are invited to pause the episode for as long as you need, or sit with us here for a few moments in remembrance of those who were lost. Thank you. Signs of the Southland, Monday, November 14th, 2022. Mr. Grant, let's start with cross country today. Women in their invite this weekend, they play sixth, the men play seventh. Color in the lines for me. Yeah, so this was actually the last, uh, I guess, full team event of the year. Uh, that would be the NCAA South Regionals. Uh, the way to make it out of regionals is to be a top two team uh, or to be one of the top four non-automatically qualified individuals in an event. The NCAA does round off their field with a handful, I think, 13 other uh, at-large bids. Uh, Georgia Tech finishing in sixth on the women's side of the men. Finishing seventh kind of pushed them out of team contention. Uh, but Liz Galarza of the women's team did finish eighth overall, qualifying her for NCAAs. Uh, her time in the 6K was 1955.40, uh, which is a fairly good time. Obviously, top uh, top eight is what it takes to get into, uh, into the NCAAs, and she'll be in Stillwater next week on the men's side. James Cragen is your top overall finisher. He ran the 10K in... Mm, just about 30 minutes. I believe it was a hair over and I forgot to write the, ta- the time down because I put that in a different document. Shame on me. Uh, but overall, fairly solid. Cross country is kind of odd. Uh, there are power five teams up and down quite a lengthy list of uh, of entries for the meet. So sixth and seventh might be a little bit, huh? But uh, in terms of uh, in terms of overall placement, generally getting in the top five through 10 is pretty good considering just how large it is. Uh, and I will note that Georgia Tech did finish behind uh, Alabama, Florida State, Ole Miss, Lipscomb, and Tennessee on the women's side. Uh, and those same schools plus Auburn on the men's. Uh, obviously, the outlier there is Lipscomb, but uh, they generally have pretty good non-rev sports. So nothing too crazy there. But yeah, Galarza will be in action in Stillwater this weekend at NCAAs, competing for the individual title. Moving on to club hockey and the rest of our club sports contingent club hockey split this weekend, 3-2 win in OT over Auburn and a 3-1 loss in Athens. Swim club took first place at their regionals, the college club swimming, college club swimming Southern regionals. Mr. Grant, any other notes to add there? I promise, even though I was on that board, I did not name that regional. Uh, that is very hard to say, having said it many times. That being said, uh, hockey in Huntsville, that is their second loss of the year to the Athenians. Uh, they were playing for the Veterans Cup, uh, something that goes on more or less annually there. I believe they're at rest uh, for the rest of the fall, as is Swim Club. So really all three of these wrapping wrapping up their fall slates, and, and that's pretty true for uh for tennis and golf, as we've noted in the past as well. So it should be getting pretty quiet here on the odds and ends front. Yeah, this weekend uh, we'll have Liz Galarza at NCAA Championships in Stillwater. Like you said, that will be Saturday. Do we know if that's televised? Uh, that's a really good question. I have ramblinrec.com open, so let me scroll down. <laughs> I assume it'll be streamed um, on ESPN, but beyond that, I am curious. Hmm. Weirdly, um, usually the big swim invites are on SEC Network Plus or ACC Network Extra, depending on where they're at. And I don't see that on um, on TV either. Oh, uh, Cross Country National Championships, that'll be on ESPNU. So, yes, it is on TV and it starts at 9.20 a.m. 
Yeah, I assume there's a heat sheet out somewhere where you can check that out. But yeah, she'll be there. That's Saturday. That's an early kick. So uh, get that in before football later. Live results as well. So you can follow along from your phone, which is great because I feel like sometimes we don't get that uh, for, for every sport. So cool. Yeah. Jake also teased the swim invite. Swim is in Athens this weekend. That is a Thursday through Saturday affair. Um, no streaming, I guess, but we'll have some sort of coverage on that next week, I assume. Yeah, keep uh, keep posted here. That's a pretty big invite. Georgia Tech usually hosts uh, a tech invite. Kind of odd that they didn't, but they did host like four major invites plus ACCs plus NCAAs uh, last year. So, you know, not uh, not too crazy to take to take a year off there. Let's move on to the meat or part of the meat of this week's episode. Volleyball played a statement game uh, and hosted Louisville this past weekend. They picked up the first two sets. They had some, uh, what could best be described as equipment malfunction or court malfunction with some of the humidity concerns at O'Keefe that have cropped up again. And then dropped three straight sets to Louisville to lose 3-2. What you got for me here? Oh, what a statement this would have been. So I actually got a little bit down the rabbit hole. I'm sure everyone following along at home is just absolutely shocked to hear I'm that. Shocked. But, um, <laughs> so Georgia Tech, uh, the, the past few years, uh, if you want to you know, round it out, uh, Georgia Tech, Louisville, Pitt, really the the top of the ACC. If you've, if you're new here, um, that is your ACC um, top trio. Uh, If you're old here, you already have heard us say that a million times. Anyways, uh, the way that volleyball is structured in the ACC play, uh, there are four teams that you get to repeat against uh, for Georgia Tech. Our travel partner Clemson is always on that list. And then kind of shaking out from there, uh, what you get is a, uh, a collection of three rotating uh, other options, if you will, that don't really rotate on a set schedule uh, because uh, to borrow what uh, coach Collier has said in the past, uh, they kind of figure out who gets the quote unquote hard schedule, if you will. So that that's, that's always interesting to hear all that to say uh, Georgia tech has played Louisville uh, a number of times since 2016, more than you would expect number of times uh, and, and since that win in 2016, Tech has lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, count them nine times in a row. But uh, the fact that we took the last or the third set from them in uh, in NCAA play last year, combined with one this year uh, in the first game and two in the second, means that really it seems like Georgia Tech is trending up, even if it doesn't feel like that to lose a heartbreaker. I know that's a lot of lead up to say, Hey, we still lost in five sets, but considering we had gotten swept like eight times in a row, not, not the worst place to be in the world. It, it, it's Georgia tech really competing with the top five team. And, and Louisville has been a top five team for honestly, seven years straight at this point. Yeah. I, there was one thing I was wondering, I wasn't actually able to go to this. So there was one thing I was wondering, and I wonder if the box score will tell me, we know that Louisville, the last time they played had a bunch of injuries across the board. I think Anna DeBeer, um, who is their main, was a main contributor in their run to the final four last year was out and was still basically week to week or day to day until pretty recently. I'm wondering if she actually got in this game. Uh, Anna DeBeer, she was, she played, she she played all five sets, but looks limited, uh, in terms of her, her role in the attack. They were definitely flying, finding Claire Chaussey, uh, unsurprisingly. Chaussey is basically like for like for DeBeer from what I understand. So that does, I mean, I'm looking at this box score and I'm just like, God, (laughs) Well, it, it, it's pretty, and I think this will fold neatly into what we want to say the rest of the way about, about Georgia Tech, is if you look at what Louisville has, they have more depth and they have more options, right? It, it's uh, mm-hmm. Claire Chassi, like we said, um, uh, and the fact that they can fill in with Chassi, Mabonu, um, Aiko Jones, and Amaya Tillman in terms of you know significant uh, a- a- attack attempts, uh, that's 
pretty significant when when your one of your best players, De Beer, is limited. Uh, Georgia Tech, for comparison, saw Bergman uh, and Otene, Tamara Otene, and Bianca Bertolino receiving similar numbers of utilization, I guess, in the offense. But I mean, that's led far and away by by Bergman, and, and there's just a lot less of, of a lo- or lot less to spread the load over. I would say. I mean, you you're underselling that because Bergman has <laughs> literally as many swings as Otene and Berlino have combined in this on this box score. Anyway, the, I, I think on that note too, uh, Louisville the the depth piece is really key there because Louisville had what twelve players appear in this game. Um, and play yeah. some role and tech still played their tight eight person rotation. Um, that is something that we've commented on multiple times, right? That tech is really good at the top end of their depth chart and either out due to lack of uh, proof or lack of experience. That next tier of talent has not uh, particularly worked itself in. Um, or has not had an opportunity to be worked in. So um, it's interesting to see Tech in some of its other games go, okay, we're playing 11, we're playing 12, we're sort of dumping out the bench, even in ACC play, and then versus Louisville be like, okay, we're cra- we're cra- um, not cramping down, uh, really bringing the heat on our top eight and seeing how they roll. Yeah, and, and I think that's kind of uh that's kind of something that we see more across the board than I think a lot of people might realize. I feel like that's a not not a take that we recycle recycle's the wrong way to put that, but in terms of you know how we've talked about, say, men swimming and diving, women's basketball, men's basketball, softball, you know, like these are very similar themes of of Georgia Tech having men's tennis and women's tennis too. you know, having some pretty high caliber, like top tier. And I think where we see more extended runs of success are where tech can build it up more at the base, you know, volleyball, if we point towards last year, that was, that was seeing, you know, in the forms of uh, Kayla Kaiser and Michaela Dowd coming off the bench largely, or uh, Maddie Tippett getting replaced by Paolo Pimentel, a super, super deep team that I don't know that we've necessarily touched on as much uh, this year, that, that depth in, in in particular, because it shows in a game, in a game like this, where you play five cents against a really good team and Georgia tech had it in those first two sets, especially set one uh, side out of 88%, uh, I don't think we do a good job of explaining some of these analytical stats. Sometimes a side out is basically a measure of efficacy at returning serves that come at you. It's saying that, you know, uh, Georgia Tech most, almost all the time is turning that reception into the right to serve. Um, They paired that 88% side out with a above 400 hitting percentage. And again, that hitting percentage is taking errors out of your kills as a percentage of your total attacks. So those numbers both being high really says a lot. Uh, especially when you're limiting limiting errors. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I also think it's 78%, if I'm reading this correctly. I think you've met Jerome. 78 team, team attack for Louisville in set number one was 22%. 100 minus No, I meant Georgia Tech was above 400 in the first set and had a side out of 88%, 15 for yeah, 17. So- I, I'm not going to, I don't see the number in front of me. I'm looking, might be looking at a different box score. I'm looking at the, yeah, that's probably it. Um, yeah, I, the schedule does not get particularly easy for me. I think the remaining games are, and I wish I prepared this ahead of time because now I'm I got upset. it. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. We take on Clemson this coming Friday. That's on the road in Clemson. Uh, if you need a last minute, just going up the road to something, this is a good opportunity for it. Going to uh, to Little John and the uh, Jervy Gym uh, is a nice little way to spend a Friday night. Can confirm uh, as well as their softball and baseball, but that's for the spring. Uh, then they will take on Pitt on the road Wednesday, November 23rd. So right before Thanksgiving. And then Great. they take on Florida State to end the season uh, at home on Saturday, November 26th. Obviously, Georgia Tech still has its work cut out for it. Obviously, uh, Clemson, this is a fun fact. Um, before before we talk about Pitt and Florida State, you know, some known higher caliber, um, 
higher caliber teams in the ACC. Akshay, I want you to guess what Georgia Tech Volleyball's win percentage is against Clemson since the 2016 season. Uh, they have, they've played them, what, twice probably each year? Yeah. Um, at least 70%. Uh, it's definitely at least 70%. Uh, this will be the 13th time we've played them in the last seven seasons. And Georgia Tech has not lost to Clemson in that season. I, I will also note, just for RPI purposes, because that is becoming more important as we get down the stretch here, Clemson is 148. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's it, not a game you can lose. <laughs> yeah, you got to pick that one up. I uh, hope you can salvage some sets versus Pitt. Uh, or pull it out and then beat Florida State. I, I, I don't know at this point with three games left and one of those being that poorly ranked of a team in RPI if hosting is on the table. But if they beat Pitt, it's it, it's a possibility. Yeah. So interestingly enough, uh, Georgia Tech has played Pitt pretty well in the past on the road, 2019 or 2018, sorry. Was that 2019? No, that was 2019. My bad. Uh, saw Tech take two uh, two sets in a five-set thriller. Uh, and, and we learned something that year, uh, given that you know Georgia Tech really needed to, to, to win down the stretch, and they really did a tremendous job of doing that, is that taking two sets against Pitt, you know, it doesn't really it it doesn't really get you over the hump the way a a win does. RPI doesn't care about you know, winning a couple sets as much as it might make sense to say, Hey, you need to steal some sets. What Georgia tech needs, they're in, they're in good, they're, they're in a good place to make the at large field. Don't get us wrong, but if they want to host, they need that win. Uh, Florida state, you know, quality top 30 team. They need that win too. But uh, if they want to host um, really going three, and zero down the stretch, getting that statement win against Pitt would really be the way to, to get that done. And if you are of the mind of, oh, just write off Pitt and focus on the other two games, they would need to get lucky elsewhere across the country. I mean, there's a bunch of teams in that top 16 field. I'm not going to do the Jake Grant thing and read them all out, but um, you're looking at your like UCFs, your Baylors, your maybe Rice and Houston. Those are the four teams ahead of Tech on the RPI sheet. You're looking for them to take a tumble either in their conference tournaments or in the back half of the slate, or, or at least their last few games. Keep in mind that uh, the ACC about 10-ish years ago elected to, maybe it's closer to 15 now, but they, they elected to forego having a conference tournament uh, in favor of, of a single table. You know, number one team at the end of the year gets the uh, automatic bid. Not that that is, uh, not that that's really in doubt these days, but um uh, and instead play 22 conference games, which was at the time uh, a full uh, round rob double round robin home and home uh, that has since been cut down to about 18 home games. So uh, no conference tournament to pick up potentially another quality win, but also no conference tournament to take a stunning loss to the, uh, you know, Syracuse, Boston College, Clemson's of the world, which means we still got to be Clemson this week and then hopefully uh, get a quality win against Pitt. So there, there's there's opportunity out there for sure. Florida State, like you said, at 30. Clemson, like we said, at 148. Pitt at five. Oh, boy. Woo. Fun week. Be a fun of rest volleyball. of the way. Fun week of volleyball left to go. Uh, we'll be right back to talk football after this short break. As always, we are here today to also talk to you about Section 103. Com. Section 103 is a great partner for this podcast, and uh, we love the stuff that they put out uh, in terms of the deal. If you're a regular listener, you probably know it by now, but Section 103 is the best place to get your Georgia Tech-related apparel. Uh, they've got a lot of fun designs, and they've also got a lot of gold, which, as a tech guy, I love buying things that are gold. Uh, it is the only place to get the ATL wordmark, uh, and you can also check out a ton of other great stuff there, uh, everything from the uh, state of Georgia outline with a football logo over where uh, 
Georgia Tech is uh, with the word mark at the bottom to perhaps a little bit more fittingly now that we're in the uh, end game for volleyball, a Point Tech shirt. Uh, those of you who have been to O'Keefe know that Point Tech is what we say after every Tech point. Uh, we're really pr- practical here as engineers. Uh, as always, you can get free shipping on orders over 70 bucks, uh, and you can also vote on what's coming next. Uh, I will not try to sway the vote, but I have a personal favorite that I really hope see to see get made soon. So go ahead uh, and check them out, uh, section103.com and at section103 on Twitter. Welcome back to Scions of the Southland, Mr. Grant. We graced Bobby Dodd Stadium with our collective presence in section 111 on Saturday, but we're not graced with a particularly good football game. It was, it was rough. The, I don't I don't think there's a ton to say here. Uh, this game was 14 zip right before half. Tech scored to make it 14-7 heading into the half. And uh, honestly, 14 points felt like the magic number to win this game. Uh, it was a bit of a – it felt for I, I, a long time like it was going to be – that 14-point margin was going to be impregnable. I think – uh, something we probably would have agreed on going into the game is that the pla- the pathway that Tech has seen uh, to achieving success this year largely runs through um, turnovers, forcing the other team to make mistakes and kind of capitalizing, stealing possessions. I don't think that changed today or this uh, with with the most recent um, updates. I, I, I You get what I'm saying, right? I, I think that all... That all held true uh, this weekend. Uh, and if anything, Miami winning the turnover batter, battle was pretty key, especially because, and we'll get to this in just a second when we talk about men's basketball, it really was one of those turnovers that inspired us to go uh, across town to go watch men's basketball. Uh, seeing Miami run the ball all the way back to the house um, was was uh, kind of, I think, what did it in. But it, it, in terms of like takeaways from the game like it should be pretty clear at this point that you just need to start fresh right this team needs a fresh start it's been crying out for a fresh start all year and if anything you know miami collectively regarded as a not too good team um coming in and essentially walking all over tech kind of does nothing uh uh, uh, my my thoughts on there i want to add to your point about turnovers Miami generated 15.6 points of turnover luck in this off of four picks. Uh, Tech was uh, expected to have right about one that right around one turnover. Um, Miami was uh, not expected to have any based on their passes defense. Then their fumbles forced no fumbles in this game. Just the four picks Um, expected turnover margin 0.9. So you can kind of write the story on that one uh it was not a particularly rousing game of football uh i will have a full column out on the tech offense i think by the time that this is out i still have to write it so we'll see exactly what i say but in terms of the miami offense i i am i tend to agree with this is not like a groundbreaking but i tend to agree with the common consensus of the Twitter sphere on Josh Gaddis and his rendition of this team. It feels very slow. The offense feels very predictable. They basically went QB draw dive, like running back dive RPO sideline throw when they found man-to-man coverage. And you, it was like, a, it was very, very simple. I know they started a true freshman quarterback and maybe that's why they made it simple. But for all the press that Josh Gaddis has gotten about being a very keen offensive mind and being very creative and all the press that Miami has gotten about their fantastic rebuild, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it at all. It just seemed like a game between two teams that are just eh. Like I, I get it. You're, you're, it deserved you're to be on the RSN. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you're you're more you're more of the stat guy. I'm more of the like how are we feeling kind of guy. And not even saying I'm a scheme dude, but like I, I just didn't see it. Right? There's there's no. It, 
it was effective. It's what they needed to do, but it's not really saying a lot when neither of these teams have been world beaters this year. And Miami uh, is uh, like, you know, coming off of their reeling loss to uh, to Florida State in a rivalry game. Obviously, rivalry games are a little bit weird, but uh, Georgia Tech playing ostensibly a rivalry game too, and and having uh, a heck of a lot of turnover luck and 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 getting getting a gutty win. I, I'm not at a point where I'm frustrated like I was after the UCF game or, you know, insert 30 other games in, in the Jeff Collins era. But the the, the fact of the matter is the season's going to end. And, and, and honestly, we can, we can unbox the, oh gosh, like this Zach Gibson character, what are we going to do with him? Cause you know, uh, apparently both of our other uh, quarterbacks are out, but at, at the same time, like, not that it doesn't matter, but, it's, we're at the point where it's not worth it to risk injury and and craziness just to to put a team out there on the field because there's no bowl. It's not happening now. <laughs> if we're being completely honest, like uh, uh, barring some sort of uh, heaven sent miracle uh, of which we would all be very grateful. But I'm I'm just ready for basketball season. I'm ready for baseball season i'm ready for softball season uh and i am ready to you know see what uh what's been cooking in the in the very very secretive coaching search lair uh i will go one step further i will say it doesn't matter um unc whatever i I mean the unc game is kind of a a mad proposal to me but that last weekend of november like it literally does not matter who plays quarterback (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you, it's going to be a 40 point spread. Um, Actually, it's you. You're going to play quarterback. No, <laughs> just no. Um, it, it's going to be a 40 plus point spread. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if some, if some houses don't even offer spreads on that game. Like it, it's, it's money laundering. If you bet on that, like sincerely, it's money laundering. Um, my other thought is that I, I I agree with you. I think it's just time for a reset. It's time to it's time to sort of wash away some of the stank of three three and a half years of poor talent identification and talent deployment, um, and invest in the program and its infrastructure. Uh, how those investments are made remains to be seen. Obviously, the the coaching search, both at the tech administrative level and the tech athletic level, has been pretty airtight. I don't think we've heard anything. The public hasn't heard anything. Neither I'm the athletic okay director, that. the athletic director, nor the president has been asked, nor has said a word uh, in two weeks about this. So, or actually, since in the month since. Uh, Jay Bat was hired. None, neither have said a word about this. So I just hope that uh, Jay Bat has found the coffee by this point. You know, everything else is gravy. Yeah, I, I mean, he's got he's probably heads down on competitive drive and probably some other fundraising initiatives. Um, Which but... that sounds like it's going well. Uh, based on his his recent email, it sounded like they were at one point six already. Which for like what three weeks? That's pretty three good weeks, around. and the target is two point five. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's, uh, That's something to keep in mind when I do my when I run the numbers on the uh, on the budget next year. You know, I, uh, I I always look forward to being blown away by just how much we're in the red. So I do appreciate that column. Uh, well, they're not. See, they're not technically in the red at all. I have to I have to caution you. They're technically very barely in the black. But also there are lies, damned lies in the NCAA financial report. So I, I was going to say, this is where I'll give a free plug for for what Matt Brown does over at Extra Points. College athletic departments, as he would gladly note, are not designed to make money. Uh, and if they are, then there's probably something, uh, there's a reason why why they're showing showing a profit. So um, just for the the listeners out there that do not uh do not have the insight into Akshay and Mai's vast web of making references on top of other references. We're uh, we're too we're too deep in the money money talk at this point. Yeah, we we should move on. The last thing I will say is that 
I mean, it just to expound on my point, like it it is really is kind of a wash the last two weeks of the year. Um, a bowl, like you said, a bowl is a miracle away. Um, they could beat they could beat UNC and be five and seven or whatever their record is. I actually <laughs> looked at their record in a while. Um, woof. Uh, they could be five and seven and They're four and six right now. They're four and five six. and seven. They could they could end five and seven and maybe APR their way into a bowl. I don't really know how uh, logical or possible that would be. Um, again, miracles. It, it it feels almost cruel if they were to do that this year. And Paul Johnson's five and six team that almost beat Tennessee and Miami had to sit at home because of the hurricane. But anyways, that's that's, that's a, whole a UCF other problem. That is a UCF problem that continues to pay dividends. Um, Thanks, so we get those next two weeks uh unc is a 530 kick next week that is a 530 kick specifically not because of basketball and acc network as i learned today but it's part of a quadruple header on espn2 so that's an interesting tidbit who's starting a pre-game day ending game there because like you you, uh, unless they're starting the first slate at 230 like that makes no sense no they're starting no they're starting at 11 um Let me double check who the first game of the day is. I'm vamping while ESPN scoreboard page refuses to load. I'm stalling. I'm stalling. The this 11 a.m. game is Navy versus UCF. Oh, that'll be done in like two two hours tops. Yeah, that's a the Gus Plus versus the triple option. Yeah, that'll that'll be a two hour game. Yeah, so they go 11 a.m. and then they go, what is it, 11.30? They go, not 11.30. Um, They go to Arizona State, but it's not on this list. Oh, I'm on top 25. They go 11 a.m. They start at 11 a.m. in Orlando. And then they go next to Arizona State, which is a 2.15 Eastern kickoff. But that is eleven fifteen or noon fifteen in Arizona. I don't know what their in time Tempe? situation is in Tempe. Uh, so hell of a day, hell of a day. Uh, clean old fashioned eight is a noon kick on ESPN right after college game day. Oh boy, you can hear the excitement in my voice. This is the first time since twenty sixteen that I won't be at an edition of Clean Old Fashioned Hate, and I'm at peace with it. I think, you know, I'll go home. I'll see the family. Family's important. Happy Thanksgiving from, from the rumble seat. Happy Thanksgiving from the rumble seat. Uh, happy, happy England versus USA day is more like it to me. Um, like I said, no real coaching search news either. Uh, I don't know. Like football is kind of just there. It exists. It plays games right now. They're just kind I- of. It's like watching the Cubs later in the season this past year. They just kind of played out the stretch. Hey, 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 wait till next year, buddy. Wait till next year. Um, In terms of football, I'm no longer ambivalent to just like sad boy about it. I'm pleasantly hopeful, but at this point I'm at peace. And I haven't felt peace about a sport since maybe, I don't know, Cubs winning the World Series. Yeah, we got one of those two recently, Braves boy. But uh, yeah, no, like it, I, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And we got to put our trust in, in Jay bat. I would like to hear from him. Eventually I missed the Todd Stansbury podcast when that used to be a monthly thing. And then it became a not monthly thing. I don't know where it went, but you know, just, just knowing what's going on. But I also, I also very much understand the need to be, to keep things buttoned up because it, it, it feels like everyone knew everything about the last coaching search and uh just emotions were high the whole time. So maybe it's good to just be, I guess, pleasantly surprised when it happens or, or at least just like, ah, okay, now we have to react. So I don't know. Speaking of pleasant surprise, I think both of us have been a level of pleasantly surprised with the way that women's basketball has started their season. Um, There are obviously a couple of holes and we'll discuss them, but they did. They are three now. Uh, well, two and zero officially. Three and zero if you count their exhibition versus Clayton State. Uh, turnovers plagued them in that. That'll be a consistent theme here. Um, they beat Georgia State by a couple buckets. Uh, well, a couple bushels of buckets, and the same deal over Kennesaw 
State earlier this weekend. Let's talk about those first two games as a set. Turnovers was kind I, of the key theme, I feel I, like. I don't think you can say we were pleasantly surprised by this. I think they met the expectation that they had to meet. Like Contented, you, you let's say. You, you can't drop games to Georgia State or Kennesaw State or Clayton State. Or any of the states, really. Pleasant, maybe, okay, maybe fine. NC State. I would. Be I was okay really going Florida for the pleasant. State. I was really going for the pleasant, like the contentedness. You know, I'm just giving like you the, a hard time. That's my job. Look, transitions are hard. Uh, in terms of things that we learned, uh, I, I think the one thing that we learned against Clayton State is that it's very hard to essentially plop an entirely new team on the court. And, uh, you know, be be successful when the lights are, are turned on for the very first time. Uh, I think it's important to say that um, about this team, considering that's kind of what we said about the men's team. Uh, obviously, with the hindsight, literally, given that uh, we finished our preview and and then they promptly uh, took off in terms of in terms of scoring last week. That's kind of pretty similar to what the women did this week um, uh, with the win over Georgia State. Uh, I, I will Note that that was certainly sizable. Uh, Georgia State's uh, margin was 60 to 42. Kennesaw's 65 to 39. And that's really a sign of, of a couple of things at work. Uh, in the Georgia State game, Tech shot very, very well uh, from the free throw line. This is something that the team has struggled with and something that, quite frankly, doesn't really change game to game. There's never going to be somebody in your face. Like maybe, maybe you're up against a better home atmosphere or, or something like that. But re really it's a controllable thing that tech does need to get better um, at better at doing and, and shooting 87, 88% is, uh, is definitely, definitely that uh, in terms of other things, uh, they were pretty effective from three in both games. Uh, they have not trailed since Georgia state took a two nothing lead uh, right out of the gate in the first, uh, uh, the first counting game. Uh, of the season um and one one other thing we will note is that they were effective on the glass uh that will hopefully translate as well even without the uh much missed lorella kubai uh that's kind of what i saw when i was writing these up after the fact akshay so the one quote and i i, I kind of spoiled this already but the one the one quote that i heard before the Georgia State game on the radio broadcast, which apparently is back on WREK now. I don't know. Something for us to okay. investigate. Um, was a quote from Nell Fortner saying, we have to take better care of the ball. We can't be throwing it all over the gym. And then Georgia Tech proceeded to spend the entire first half throwing the ball all over the gym. They had a bunch of turnovers. I don't have the exact number in front of me but they were not particularly clean with the basketball in that game. And that was a Nell response to what had happened versus Clayton state, which got too close to for comfort because of another turnover situation. KSU started out a, a, a little bit like that. Both teams were very, very, very unkempt when it came to retaining the basketball. Um, but tech found a rhythm um, and was able just to sort of, put their foot on the on the gas and ride out the rest of the game. The only thing that I found notable from a, I guess like a roster management perspective, since we take that tack a lot here is they kept the, now kept the rotation for the KSU game around eight, nine players uh, at least in the first half. And I didn't, I, I didn't keep a close eye on it in the second half. Um, which is interesting because with a 20 plus point margin heading into the, I think it was right around 20 going into half and it stayed around 20 for the rest of the game. Um, you'd expect maybe some of those starters to come out, um, play a little bit more of the back end of your bench, just because you have, you can, you have the time. I think this is something that we brought up with football too, uh, a couple times where they had opportunities to try out other players at certain positions in garbage time and develop some depth and get them some, some experience and those opportunities were not taken. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm not going to make the same equivalence. I don't think that's fair, but it's just interesting, I guess. Yeah, I uh, I, I think this is a team that is kind of, <laughs> when you think about 
obviously two different sports, but when you think about Josh Pastner suggesting a full home and home double round Robin uh, for ACC basketball, uh, I think this is the exact kind of team. And quite frankly, we'll talk about the effect it would have on men's basketball in just a second. But I think this is exactly the kind of team that uh, it would hurt, right? It's a lot of new faces. I don't necessarily quibble uh, with her leaving the lineup in uh, as long as she did neither game. That's exactly what non-conference type tune-ups are for. Uh, And if you do look at the the box score, I believe we played uh, 11 or 12 against Georgia State. And I think it was 13 against Kennesaw, which for for Nell Fortner uh, versus her first three years uh, on the flats, that is quite uh, a lengthy lineup. So definitely seeing some more squad rotation there. And, and I think it speaks to the fact that this team has a lot more depth uh, than it's had in the past um, uh, uh, up and down the lineup. I think um, uh, whether you're uh, a men's or a women's basketball fan, uh, one thing you're going to, we're all going to have to learn to do this year is get used to some, some new faces, um, uh, especially without, uh, you know, a, a load of my lot in or, or a Lorella could buy on the women's team, uh, Jordan Usher, Mike DeVoe on the, on the men's team. That's uh, something that comes with us being college sports fans. Right. And, and, and uh, there's going to be a lot of new names for both because both have been playing particularly long lineups, uh, long lineups this year. And I think it, it, it speaks especially well to the women's basketball team uh, that we'll find out a lot about this week, given the slate goes from USG, uh, you know, uh, mid-majors, if you will, to uh, two SEC teams. The last note I have on women's basketball is that I think the offensive transition, there is, I wouldn't say proof of concept just yet, but there's definitely evidence to support it being, you know, very, very, it, it support it being entrenched in place. They played with a lot more finesse. Obviously, it's Kennesaw State. Uh, it's a mid-major. It's very not very great mid-major it's kind of expected that you'll play that a p5 team is going to dominate but they they move the basketball really well they they found open shooters they had a lot more shooters from range instead of just passing it in the paint and going for layups which is a revelation for me um they they just played with a lot of finesse i'm not i'm not gonna be a huge basketball scheme guy i'm more of a basketball vibes and stats guy but finesse, finesse, finesse. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, that's something that, that coaches talked about, right? It's, it's the team moving uh, to maybe a more fast paced game. uh, One that takes more shots. And and I think that's something that we'll have to, you know, make a point of keeping an eye on as the season goes on, just to see how much of a transition it is. Cause at this point um, I think just with how many new parts there are, it's something that will, Maybe not come all at once, but it, it is certainly something to keep an eye on. You know, if you don't have a Lorella Kubai, you cannot play Lorella Kubai basketball. You know, and that's uh, essentially uh, Lorella was playing as the epitome of the Josephs era of you know uh, playing playing through that huge presence in the paint. But you can't yeah. not have any presence in the paint. So uh, will it be interesting to see how Hermosa fills those shoes too, even as the offense changes around her. You took so long to make that point that you really stymied my joke. I was going to say, yeah, you just can't play Iowa football without a good punter. Yeah, well, you know, punting, that's uh, punt something to win. that we, we know and love. Know and love punting. Punt to win. Uh, next up for Georgia Tech women's basketball, they'll play Auburn away. Uh, Auburn was the sneaky early season loss last they were- year. They were they were bad, bad last year. The rest of the way, they went like two and fourteen in the SEC, ten and eighteen overall. And, and one it of those wasn't like wins, they went; they were particularly good the year before either. Uh, no, so no, eyes up on all. that one. Uh, and then clean old fashioned hate, I believe, later in the week. If I read Mister Grant's column properly mm-hmm. this morning, uh, so That's keep your home, eyes out by for the way. those. That is at home. That'll be that'll be neat. It'll be a nice little fixture. Uh, let's move over to the men's side of McCamish Pavilion. They dominated Clayton State in a game that did count. Uh, you dubbed this. I don't remember if you actually dubbed it, but I'm going to say you dubbed it this way. The Lance Terry game. Uh, we all met him for the very first time. And I think I came away enjoying the Lance Terry experience when I got it against Clayton State. Not to foreshadow anything about Georgia State, but... Well, you know, tale of two cities here between 
Clayton and Atlanta because they beat Clayton by a lot. And then, oh, they they made a sweat for this one and opening or helping open the new convocation center uh, downtown um, or not downtown, down in Summerhill. We play Georgia State tight. Every time we play them, and Every I know that there are damn people year. out there, there. There are people out there from our writers' room. From I'm pretty sure I heard Josh Pastner just straight up say it in the press conference before the game. No, he did all the he way did. down that they do not like playing Georgia State, and I agree. There's a lot to lose, you know, to to take an L to a Sun Belt team. But at the same time, oh my goodness, it was fun going across town. Their new stadium was, you know, it it, it was kind of generic e i didn't love no how the no, no, no 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 i'm not letting you get away with this the i'm not letting you get away with this say the exact thing that you told me uh like a costco that they play basketball in no you said it you said and i quote it's a costco that overlooks the interstate yeah i mean that was that was heat of the moment in the game i do love the parquet floor but also like it's a big box with some windows on the corners but it's better. It's great that they have their own space. Um, I, I think it's something that is worth playing just because they are a quality opponent and it drives local interest. Uh, there are a good number of Georgia Tech fans there uh, in the crowd as well. Duh. I mean, even though we had a home game, it's very easy for for Tech fans to get across town. Still took us like a hot minute to get there. but uh, Traffic was catch. unbearable, but that's we, besides the point. We did catch most of the game, so that is... Uh, that is fine. Um, but but at the end of the day, I, I think just by looking uh at, at the box score, you're gonna it's gonna belie a few points too, right? You're gonna see Howard, familiar, Lance Terry, new, Sturdivant, familiar, Debo, familiar, Davin, familiar, Javon Franklin, new, Miles, familiar, Jalen Moore, familiar, uh, Maxwell Mecca as well. And and the amount of players that are coming off mild injury, who are transfers, who are sophomores who didn't get to play a ton last year, be it due to injury or being blocked out by o- older, more experienced players. This is just as fresh of a team uh, a- 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 as women's basketball. And um, that that's something that honestly showed Georgia State is a much better team than Clayton State. And Clayton State was tied with Tech at the half in a game that counted against D2 Clayton. That's not a great place to be. Um, but you know what happened? Georgia Tech won both games. It's not going to be a pretty and an elegant year, but it's one that, you know, I, I think this team has a pretty clear amount of potential. And, you know, Lance Terry, like we said, lack of Lance Terry game. He scored four points. He's not going to have, you know, crazy offensive outings every night. But you have Debo Coleman putting up 16 very solid. And you have Miles Kelly with 15 off the bench, including Josh Pastner calling a timeout right at the end of the game with the game tied at 57 and saying, I am putting the ball in darn near the most athletic player on the team, uh, his hands and saying like, go (laughs) get some points. And what did he do? He got ISO and, and put a, put a shot off the glass and honestly pretty close to a, a layup, if I'm remembering right, I've seen. I think it was a layup. Times. But he he got the ball off the glass and it, and it went in right. And and Miles is somebody who I maintained last year was somebody who was just a hair off all year, right? So close on threes, just barely missing twos. You know, half a step late in reaction, and that's something that comes with getting used to the speed of the game. And I feel like this was a pretty good start to the year for Miles as well as Debo, and those are two guys that are going to have to really be playing well uh, if we want to uh, to win some ball games. A little odd that Davon uh, Smith and, and Kyle Sturdivant both started, given that they kind of play a more uh, point guardy type type role at least they have in the past but in, in terms of figuring out what that best lineup is going to be it's something that they're they're going to get there right I, I, at least i think yeah the only the couple of notes that i out on this is number one i'm not calling it a parquet floor it's checkerboard let's get that straight <laughs> who calls it a checkerboard floor? it's a checkerboard what are you talking about it's a checkerboard it's a floor. Any, floor. Hold on. Anywhere. I'm not putting this in the show notes, even if you send me a link to it. Number two, this team is still bad at free throw shooting. 
is still so bad at shooting free throws. And I think part of it, I will give credit to the Georgia State student section because they were right in front of that second half. They were right in front of the or right behind the basket that Tech was shooting in in the second half. And they made a ton of noise. They had one particularly good sign that had property of Georgia Tech and a picture of a brick right under it. And it was pretty cash money. Hey, hey, at the same time, if you're going to granted shooting 18 for 27 on free throws, we were given a lot of free throws by the refs. Thank you, refs, but also boo refs. Um, They're calling a lot of fouls both ways. Georgia State went 13 for 21, including three very, very crucial misses back to back to back on the same trip to the line for for a 61.9 percent. Uh, rate for themselves as well. So really this game was won and lost at the free throw line uh, because dare I say, we spent like half the game just watching people, you know, in inbound the ball after a foul or, or shooting free throws. Yeah, that was, that was bizarre. Um, I mean, it's also a very low scoring game. They didn't break the 60 point barrier. It was like 25, it was 26, 25 half. Uh, Not a lot of offensive output here. I, I want you to guess how many fouls the two teams combined for. I also have the box score up, so I'm just going to let you tell me. It, <laughs> it it was more than I anticipated seeing, but it was 44 fouls between the two teams, which now that I say it, maybe not sounds like a lot, but I, 26 for Georgia State, that's a ton of fouls. They had... They had three players with four fouls, and we had Jalen Moore and Rodney Howard both hit four fouls. You basically, at their center had four as well. You basically couldn't play uh, in the paint if you were either team. It was a gritty game, I think is the best way to put it. Emphasis on yeah. grit and like the literal sense. Yeah, Tech, uh, in terms of other things that jump out from the box score, Tech went two for two from three in the second half, uh, three for eight overall. That's not too bad, 19 for 48 uh, for a, about a 40% uh, shooting percentage from the floor. Again, not too bad. Um, State did go two for 14 uh, from three-point land. So definitely uh, another one of those margins that you know swings things towards Tech. Uh, 15 turnovers for State, 13 for Tech. Um, trying to think of anything else popped out at me. Somehow that 13 number does not seem bad like i've seen way worse somehow i'm okay with 13 maybe it was just long possessions because it it did feel like there wasn't a ton of offense i mean both teams were fairly even in rebounding 36 33 i i don't know it it just feels like there weren't a ton of possessions right yeah uh it would be nice if someone made a advanced box score site for basketball huh sure would yeah I will say um, State did lead for 21 minutes to Tex 13. Uh, it really just matters who's winning. At the end there, um, a couple other odds and ends. Uh, the GSU Convocation Center was new. Uh, it could probably use a couple more concession stands. And 41,000 in attendance is, I'd say, pretty darn good. I don't know if I would have guessed that just from looking around the arena, but I guess it can also hold more than maybe I give it some credit for. I, I thought it was a, a, a generally pleasant uh pleasant experience and i'm very pleased for them to have their own their own space uh if you ask some hockey experts that's the right size for nhl hockey the coyotes got to move that's an embarrassment to the nhl but this is not a hockey podcast so bring back the nordiques and the thrashers while we're at it anyway um men's basketball will be playing niu later this week uh i didn't actually look at the rest of their schedule going in the weekend so i don't know where they're going this weekend you want to tell me uh who men's basketball Yep. Yeah. So Thursday they are hosting NIU uh, and then they will be down in Fort Myers starting Monday. They'll play Monday and Wednesday in uh, the Suncoast Credit Union Arena in in Fort Myers against Utah and then either Marquette or Mississippi State. Uh, If they do face Mississippi State, that would be a rematch of Tavon for the school he went to as a freshman. So uh, keep that in mind. Otherwise, we'll get... uh, two power six schools either way between the Big East, SEC, and Pac-12. Mr. Grant, speaking of the power six, are you ready to do some ACC college football picks? 
Yeah, let's go. I need to kill uh, the ESPN sound that started playing in my headphones when I opened this up, but otherwise I'm ready to go. Louisiana, Florida State at noon on ESPN3, which I assume is your RSN FSU by 23 and a half. FSU. Easy. Yeah, that's that's a pretty easy one. Although Louisiana, Raging Cajuns could be spicy. Noon on ESPN Plus. Oh, well, I know why it's on ESPN Plus. It's Virginia Tech at Liberty. Liberty favored by nine and a half. Uh, this is a don't pick Liberty uh, position that I strongly maintain. So I'm going to take Virginia Tech. That's an official podcast position, by the way. Noon on ACC Network, Duke versus Pittsburgh. Pitt by seven and a half. Pitt is uh, basically fraudulent all year since uh, Pat Narduzzi tore down, you know, the thing that was bringing him success. Give me Duke. Uh, I think this gets him to eight wins. Uh, they could be in the mix for, don't look now, a 10-win Duke season in Mike Elko's first year. It's weird. It's weird to think about. Uh, 2.30 on Peacock and NBC, Boston College visits Notre Dame. Notre Dame by 21. And uh, Notre Dame. Boston College somehow has three wins. I don't know. <laughs> Boston College beat NC State last week. That was a weird one. Uh, 3.30 on ESPN, Miami at Clemson. My, Clemson by 19. Uh, it'll be Clemson. Uh, I, I, I'm still not convinced that Miami is the answer, uh, but I am I'm certainly convinced that Clemson does have what it takes at home. 3.30 on ACC Network, somehow still ranked NC State, visits Louisville. Louisville favored by four. NC State has had the most bizarre seven-win season of all. I think they, uh, they're a team that has felt like they are just on the roller coaster of a lifetime. That being said, Louisville is at home. They are favored. Uh, I, I, I'm feeling good about Louisville with uh, with all the pieces they have, and I'm I'm still not entirely convinced, even less so after losing to Boston College about NC State. So, 8 p.m. ACC Network, Syracuse at Wake Forest, Wake by 10. Yeah, give me Wake. Syracuse is just the wheels fell off the bus. The, the dream the dream was nice while it lasted. Mr. Grant, single pick of the week. You're up first. Oh, I already wrote one down. Excellent. That would be coachless South Florida at Tulsa at 9 p.m. on Friday night. This feels about as sicko as it gets. It's a three and seven versus one and nine uh, matchup. It's on ESPN two, the deuce Tulsa by 13 over under 59. Uh, I don't usually pick over unders hammer the under (laughs) hammer the under. I don't know if uh, either of these teams know what the end zone is. Let me give you a couple here. I, I picked out two, not the one that I have written on the sheet. 3.30 on another RSN, or maybe just on ESPN3. 3-7 three, three and seven, Louisiana Tech visits 2-9 and nine Charlotte. Louisiana Oof. Tech favored by three. That's disgusting. That is degenerate gambling behavior if you put money on that. but You know what's an even more disgusting uh game of three and seven versus one and nine while i've got you here umass at texas a&m it would be really fun for umass to uh for umass to win that one and it's entirely possible uh, do you think they fired jimbo if, if texas a&m loses to umass i think something else worse is coming for jimbo if they lose um very quickly uh the last one that i want to bring up texas versus kansas also on this weekend uh and then very quickly pick big game for me that is this weekend oh big games this weekend that snuck up on me i'm taking cal i don't even know what the line is give me the bears cal by four and a half uh cal just fired its offensive coordinator and it's a well coach i believe uh stanford plus the points give me this one's in Cal Memorial Stadium, so interesting. Isn't it like thing. F? It, it, weren't they sponsored by like FTX or something like that? Yeah, I don't know. Great, good job, good job, Bears. Go Bears, Mr. Grant. That about wraps it up for this week. What do yeah. you have for me to end the week? Yeah, uh, in in order to end the week, I think it's only fitting uh, for you to probably make some soccer reference that I won't understand, and then we can all let everyone go on with their week. Uh, the worst World Cup in existence begins next week. There's that. Delightful. I, I uh, don't know when the games are. I uh, I assume you'll probably watch all of them, and we'll we'll talk about it, and and that'll be that. 
No, well, well, look, look, I'm not enough of a sicko to watch number one, that much soccer. And number two, that much soccer hosted in that specific country under these specific terms. I will be watching all of the U.S. games and probably not more than that. But that's at least three games. So, well, uh, get ready to deal with a very stressed out me next week. Enjoy. I can't wait. This is uh, totally unusual for me. Anyways, uh, this has been Science of the Southland. We hope everyone enjoys their week. Thank you for tolerating probably a long edition this week. Uh, you can find us at FTRS blog. Uh, I'm at Jake Grant 98 Jack will be back presumably next week. He's at Jack Nicholas. Uh, and you can also find Section 103 at Section 103 on Twitter. Uh, if you have any comments, uh, feedback, or suggestions for future episodes, you can find us uh, at FromTheRumbleSeat.com. There are articles that go up with this and also about plenty of other things. Uh, you can also email us at from the rebel seat at gmail.com. That feedback is truly invaluable, uh, and we do really appreciate appreciate hearing from you all. Uh, go read Engineering a Program. Check out our other work, and you can find this wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Thank you. Good night, uh, and go Jackets. Oh,